drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. We're going to be praying for your intentions today. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're facing, whatever you're having to accomplish today, we'll include those intentions in our prayers here in just a moment. We're going to have a great show today. Now, today it's going to be a, like sort of a take to a mulligan. Do you play golf? Have you ever played golf? A mulligan is when you like, you, you, you know, you slice the ball and it goes sailing off into the tree line. And then uh, you pull out another ball, you drop, and you just swing again. You don't count the stroke. It's a mulligan. And uh, that's the way I play golf, or used to play golf. I don't play golf anymore. I think after I threw the clubs into the pond, I think I gave it up. But anyway, that's another day, another story. Today, Mazi Namdi Kanu is going to be our guest today. Now, we tried him last on Friday, and it just did not work. The technology difficulties uh, just uh, prevented it from happening. But uh, we have rebooked him, rescheduled him. Now, uh, Mr. Kanu is the leader of the indigenous people of Biafra and the director of Radio Biafra and Biafra Television now. So there's a movement in the southeast state of Nigeria to secede from Nigeria again. uh, The Biafra people want to have their own country, their own own state. And there is a strong resistance to that, of course. There was a a, a civil war back in the 60s uh, that prevented that. So we're going to have a conversation with Mr. Kanu about uh, the the background, because we we see these stories in the headline news about Nigeria persecution and and uh, the violence that goes on there. It's a, it's rather terrible. So we'll get the context of what is going on in Nigeria, why the the people uh, still look to secede from Nigeria, why that's still a movement and. And, uh, you know, get the, just get the general information. I bet it's going to be an education day for most of us that just don't understand how to really read the, the, the news uh, that comes out about Nigeria. Well, today we'll get some more information on that. On the program today as well, we'll have our Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories here in a moment. Uh, we'll have the What's Concerning Us section, plus the game show. We have a, a $200 prize pack on our game show this week. It's kind of a big deal. It's the entire set of the Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich series from Tan Publishing. It's uh, it's a pretty cool thing, and we're looking forward to giving that away this week. Speaking of which, uh, good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. Um, did I ever tell you that I was a golf caddy? Speaking of mulligans. Oh, so uh, uh, so what's your handicap? You like uh, you like a pro? Or I said I was a caddy. You were a caddy. But <laughs> <laughs> you must have played. You, how do you be a caddy and not play oh, golf? Oh, we'd mess around on Mondays after the we were done with our rounds. But uh, I definitely saw a lot of golfers throw their clubs in the lake. It's full of them. Full <laughs> of them. That's right. I had a friend in high school who made money uh, pulling stuff out of the ponds on golf courses. He would take his scuba gear. <laughs> and uh, he would get paid like all the he would recover all Scooby, the balls. They were that deep. <laughs> all the clubs, and uh, he would make a ton of cash just pulling stuff out of those ponds. But uh, well, praise be to God. Uh, golf is uh, a crazy game for people with great patience, and I am not one of them. But uh, I'm looking forward to our guest today. Mr. Nakano is going to be very interesting to give us a greater context on Nigeria for sure. Speaking of needing greater context, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here producing for us on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. I need all the context in order to uh, to not uh, kick me out, to fire me, you know. 
All the context. I'm going to write a note. I'm going to put it right in front Make of me. Make sure. Don't have, fire, don't keep fire Adrian context. today. Keep, keep context. context. Speaking of which, uh, I just wanted to mention today, this this evening, I think it's 7 o'clock central, I'm hosting a Zoom uh, call, and everyone is invited for the Catholic Literary Arts. We did a poetry contest leading up to uh, Lent, and I was the judge, and we picked out a first, second, and third, plus a couple of honorable mentions, and they had entries from all over the country. It was intimidating to have to pick these winners from these these incredible poems. But tonight we'll be reading some of those. So if you're at all interested in Catholic literature, especially poems, you might enjoy being on the call. And it's free and open to everyone, and you can be a part of it. You can hear these poems, and uh, it'd be a cool time. So you can find the information for that at catholicliteraryarts.org. Just look for the Zoom chat uh, for the uh, poetry contest uh, CatholicLiteraryArts.org is the website, CatholicLiteraryArts.org. All right, let's pray. We have a lot to get into this hour. Uh, we're praying for your intentions and our intentions and asking Our Lady to intercede on our behalf. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Yesterday, the Supreme Court decided by one vote not to hear any of the 2020 election cases raising issues of voter fraud and illegal votes. Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett voted with the liberal justices to deny review of the lower court decisions. Four justices must vote to hear a case to put it on the court's docket, but only three justices, Thomas, fellow conservative Samuel Alito, and libertarian Niall Gorsuch, voted to take at least two of four of the key cases from November 2020. All three dissenting justices took the unusual step of writing opinions as to why the court should have taken at minimum two of these cases. Five women have been charged in the vandalism of Catholic statues in California. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco warned that dropping the charges against the assailants who destroyed the statue of St. Junipero Serra would set a dangerous precedent. After the statue was defaced in 2020, Catholics rallied in a peaceful demonstration and prayed the rosary outside the church together. Archbishop Cordelione performed an exorcism at the site of the statue in October, calling the statue's destruction an act of blasphemy. An online petition demanding that the district attorney drop the charges garnered nearly 77,000 signatures, but Cordelione asked the Marin County District Attorney to prosecute those arrested to the full extent of the law. Catholics in Scotland are calling for further changes to a controversial hate crime bill. The bill, which was introduced by the Scottish government in 2020, would criminalize disagreement with any of the protected characteristics covered by the bill, which include race, religion, sexual orientation, and transgender identity. In July, Scotland's Catholic bishops expressed concern that the legislation could criminalize the Bible and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Christian leaders have appealed for further changes to the bill. An unprecedented alliance of Catholic and evangelical leaders called earlier this month for more time for detailed consideration of the bill, which Parliament Parliament is attempting to pass quickly. 
A Protestant pastor in Canada was jailed for refusing to comply with COVID-19 mandates. James Coates is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton. Coates turned himself in after police visited his congregation of 400 people several times and threatened to arrest him. In a statement, Grace Life Church stated, quote, Having engaged in an immense amount of research, interacting with both doctors and frontline healthcare workers, it is apparent that the negative effects of the government lockdown measures on society far surpass the effects of COVID-19. Coates' next court appearance is scheduled for tomorrow, February 24th. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Polycarp, pray for us. St. Polycarp was born in 69 AD. He was uh, converted by a disciple of the Apostle St. John himself. And many say Polycarp, along with St. Ignatius of Antioch and others, uh, studied under the Apostle himself. Because you might recall, the Apostle lived to a very ripe old age. Uh, In fact, he was the oldest and longest lasting of all the Apostles. But Polycarp, he was very well known in his, uh, his part of the world, which is basically a part of modern day Turkey. He became the Bishop of Smyrna. He, he preached against Gnosticism and he was the friend of many incredible saints. Saint Ignatius of Antioch is one of my favorites and they were fast friends. In fact, on his way to be eaten by lions in the Roman Colosseum, Saint Ignatius stopped at Polycarp's house with Roman soldiers in tow and hung out for a few months along the journey there. Polycarp was a revered Christian leader during the first half of the second century in Asia Minor. In fact, he uh, was sent to, or he was uh, picked, chosen to represent the people to go to Pope Antisetus and to try to work out the date of Easter because there was a sort of a debate in the church at the time about when Easter would happen. Now, the only letter we have that uh, Polycarp wrote was his letter to the to the Philippi in Macedonia, um, and it's fascinating read. You should Google that as well as St. Ignatius of Antioch. I can't recommend that enough. But he was to be burned alive in the stadium at Smyrna at 86 years old for the charge of being a Christian. Uh, They tried to burn his body, but it just would not work. He wouldn't die. So instead, they killed him by a dagger. And then finally, his body would be burned. The acts of Polycarp's martyrdom are the earliest preserved reliable account of a Christian martyr's death. And he was an apostolic father. He was stabbed to death uh, on in about the year 155 in Smyrna, and his body again, again was burned. St. Polycarp, pray for us. The gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, In praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you, But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive you your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
I like this passage for a number of reasons, obviously. There's the, the hard-hitting, the last uh, sentence, or the last two sentences there are pretty hard-hitting. If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Boy, does that not go straight to the heart? I mean, uh, if you think about, I know in my own life, if I think about all the times I've had grievances with others and uh, how hard my heart has uh, grown in those grievances, boy, I'll be judged based on that. That's a little insane. That, uh, that should wake us up during the holy season of Lent for sure. But notice the beginning of this, you know, don't babble on like the pagans do. And many non-Catholics have used this to try to say that Jesus is against uh, this and other verses, that Jesus is against the rep- repetitive prayer, uh, meaning that all repetitive prayer becomes vain. Is that the case? Well, of course, as Catholics, we, we say no, it is not. Even Jesus repeats the same prayer three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what's important here is that he's specifically talking about the pagans and the litanies of their pagan gods that they would ramble on about. He is uh, rebuking that, not prayer itself, not Christian prayer, and especially not prayer that is repetitive. At the end of the day, intention matters. Our intention, what's in our heart. You could pray the rosary, every mystery, all day long, but if you don't have the right intention in your heart, then, uh, then you might be praying in vain. That might be true. So we can't judge people's hearts, but we can can as we pray, even prayers that we have written down, the prayers of the saints or the prayers the church has recommended or the rosary, we can always check our own intentions, right? We can always stop ourselves and make sure that our minds, our hearts are united in prayer with the words that we are actually saying. So Jesus is not, in fact, uh, denying uh, repetitive prayer here at all. The Lord's Prayer is powerful. Part one is glorifying God. Part two is a petition God, uh, is all the petitions that we have to, uh, to asking God for the needs of of mankind. Now, what's interesting is last week I quoted St. Thomas Aquinas, who said, the Lord's Prayer is the most perfect of prayers. In it, we ask not only for all the things we can rightly desire, but also in the sequence that they should be desired, giving us a great opportunity this season of Lent to maybe stop and chew on the the uh, our Father and the sequence of those petitions and what they might mean in greater context and depth and what they mean in our own particular lives about how we approach our Father, how we ask, and just think about that for a second, the ability to say, our Father. What a powerful thing. So, this is a powerful passage worthy of a great deep dive. Unfortunately, we just don't have much time here, but uh, of the few seconds left on the clock, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back. We're going to have the What's Concerning Us section, but still to come in today, we're very excited to have another opportunity to try to have a conversation with Mazi Namdi Kanu, the leader of the Biafra uh, movement. So it's a, it's a secession movement in Nigeria. We'll get the context of that. What's going on in Nigeria, Mr. Kanu will tell us. Plus, more breaking news and stories. All that still to come in Kind of Drive Time. Be right back. So, it's Ash Wednesday. You just got sloshed with ashes. And you have to go to the grocery store. Worried everyone is going to be staring and thinking, I wonder if that guy knows he has dirt on his forehead. If so, fear no more. Here's a few ways to respond to the befuddled looks. You can start by laughing with them. Weird, huh? And then you can explain, today begins a special season for Christians when we focus on the fact that we're going to die, hence the ashes, and that we need to turn away from sin and get right with God. You then might share how in ancient times, 
ashes were used to express sorrow for sin. The visible sign represents our interior conversion. So with a few responses like these in your quiver, there's no need for awkwardness. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz. Um, we're having some difficulties as usual, so Joe is getting those figured out. But not to worry, because I have some comments on the gospel. I usually do, but today we're going to be able to discuss what, uh, what I've been reflecting on. So, I, as I, some of you might know, I have studied Greek before. I took a couple semesters of Greek. And so, to, to read the original translation of the Our Father in Greek is just such a, an incredible experience to know that see how it was translated and how the translators chose to translate to choose words to put this into Latin and then into English and to see how the prayer has actually changed. And so one of the things that I've always found very fascinating about the Our Father in the Gospel here is the word in Greek epiousios. So the original scripture, this was written originally in Greek. And so St. Jerome, who was an early saint in the 4th century, was commissioned by Pope Damasus I to renew and consolidate the the biblical texts. And so when St. Jerome was translating, he went back to the original Greek. And this word in the Our Father, epiousios, which is in the line, give us this day our daily bread, he pointed out the fact that the word daily could be translated in two different ways. And it's a very unique circumstance here because... The, the word epiousios for daily um, is not found anywhere else in scripture at all. It's a completely unique word, and it has two translations. St. Jerome said this could be translated either literally to, be, to mean super substantial or to mean daily. And so originally, traditionally, we will, in the prayer that you say at Mass, we say, give us this day our daily bread. But think about how repetitive that is. Um, and so it's, it's unclear whether or not the original author who, who wrote down the words of Christ meant daily or super substantial. And actually, most modern scholars say that to say daily is not entirely accurate. Um, and super substantial is actually a better translation of this word epiousios. And so what does that mean? Give us this day our super substantial bread. That means it's not normal bread. It's above the essence of bread. It has a different substance. Um, and, and so this is a reference not to food, mortal food, to feed our bodies, but to the Eucharist, which feeds our soul as the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Adrian, have you ever heard about this before? Yeah, I've read uh, 
it's kind of crazy how much can be said about the Our Father because I, I was reading, I'm reading some old catechisms. We interviewed uh, Aaron Sang a couple months ago and I subscribed to his catechism series. And so every single one of the catechism series has a section breaking down the Our Father. And it's been mentioned that those kind of, uh, those ideas have been mentioned many times. And Cornelius Lapide goes through this as well in his commentary on the Our Father. I'm, I'm sure he has a lot to say. Weren't you saying yesterday that Lapide is kind of, he gets kind of sassy sometimes. Yeah. Yes, and he, he actually, in, in his commentary on the Our Father, he actually throws shade at Calvinist. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, if I can go find it, I'll did, pull it up. But did Cal- Wait, so when did Alapide live? Cornelius Alapide was, I believe, 18th century. Okay, so uh, was he like a contemporary of Calvin? or uh, I don't know when Calvin lived, to be honest. I think, if question. I'm not mistaken, Calvin was 16th, 17th century, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, if you want to look that up. Uh, see if I'm correct. Uh, but the one thing that I wanted to mention in regards to the gospel reading today mm-hmm. was in regards to what is co- commonly overlooked is this idea of babbling. Uh, whenever people say, don't babble like the pagans. Now, what what is meant here by babbling? I think it's important to notice uh, that our God, we live in a such a culture that we kind of understand that Christianity is the true religion um, and that paganism is wrong. But at this time, there were many pagans in and the idea was that the pagan gods were not omnipotent. They were not all-powerful. They weren't all-knowing. They had a limited amount of power in certain fields and were not omniscient. They didn't know everything. And so they had to tell the gods what they wanted. They had to tell the gods. They had to inform, teach the gods um, in a sense. And so uh, what our Lord is saying here is, you know, our God He's not, uh, he's not like the pagan gods. You don't have to tell him and list every single thing. You know, and I have this problem all the time where I'm like, oh, I got to list every single person I'm going to pray for. I got to list mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, one, friend, two, friend, three, friend, right, four. Right. And I, I, but God, God doesn't need us to list every single thing. He knows. Uh, he knows. Right. He knows what we want. He knows what we're praying for. So I think that's very that's important. Right. And that this translation says, do not babble like the pagans, but other translations say vain repetition, which we'll hear that. From from Protestants, often they say that the Hail Mary and the Rosary that's vain repetition, but really it's not. It's uh, it's like the the words of a child saying "I love you" over and over again. It never loses its meaning. Yeah, Fulton Sheen talks about that quite a bit. Right. Where he says uh, mm-hmm. he he's like he tells uh, he gives the example of a husband to his wife. He goes, "Well, why do you tell him you tell him you love him a second time? You already said it once." <laughs> oh, and then uh, he's like, "Well, because I mean." And they they can't have they right. don't it's not a good response to it's it. It's not vain repetition to tell your mom you love her every day. Exactly. It's not. And then our Lord teaches us a formulaic prayer immediately after. It says mm-hmm. pray like this, and then teaches us the Our Father, uh, exactly. which people pray over and over again. All right. Uh, so I think it's awesome. Praise be to Jesus Christ. We have some breaking news here on Catholic Drive Time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Kanu is not going to be able to join us this morning. He just got word that he's not feeling well. However, we do still have a guest on this very topic. In fact, his uh, his attorney uh, and his uh, personal assistant, uh, Ms. Carolyn uh, Okorafor, is going to be on our program to give us sort of the background of the story of the Biafra movement, the people, why they want to secede from Nigeria again. This, remember, they, they attempted this back in the 60s, and it did not end well, uh, but yet there's still uh, a movement among the, the Biafrans to, to have their own independent country, and we're going to have that conversation. It's uh, 
the context here is going to help shed light on why there is so much persecution and violence in Nigeria with the people. So Carolyn Okorafor is going to be our guest in place of Mr. Kanu on the program coming up in just a little bit. So um, you guys were talk following up on the gospel, I imagine. Right, there's just so much to say on it, so we added some things. Let me mention a couple of stories before we run out of time sure. here on the uh, What's Concerning Us section. Um, oh, you mentioned this uh, yesterday, about talking about the Equality Act. Well, uh, the Catholic League, Dr. Bill Donahue, has an article out on the Catholic League's website, catholicleague.org, um, in response to this. And he says the Equality Act has two major goals. It would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include sexual orientation and gender identity to the definition of sex. It would also undermine the Religious Freedom Restoration Act by allowing gay rights to trump religious rights. You know, and I was reading through Mr. Donahue's comments on this, and of course, uh, he is uh, speaking out against it, as we all should. You know, there's so, I, I, I can imagine that there are many Catholics... Who, and Christians too, who are like, what's the problem? Don't we want to recognize the dignity of people? Don't we want to, you know, meet people where they're at? And, and I can imagine there are many Christians who would struggle as to why, uh, why we would, uh, why we would say that this is not a good thing. And Mr. Donahue here, Dr. Bill Donahue is basically sounding the alarm to say, this is like a Trojan horse. This is uh, a Trojan horse showing up at our gates, and what's inside we're not going to like, because it's going to bring about religious uh, persecution. Uh, in our case, it will not be to the, to the level of Nigeria, uh, but it will still not be a good, it's a slippery slope, and we don't want to be on that road. And uh, so I want you to, uh, to ponder these thoughts of Mr. Bill Donahue over at the Catholic League, or maybe we'll try to get him on. I think, uh, Adrian, we might try to... Uh, See if we can't get Mr. Bill Donahue on. It would be a great conversation to have about this particular topic. Um, the FCC commissioners denounce House Democrats to attempt to censor newsrooms based on politics. I'm very glad to see this article. This was uh, on the Epic Times. Um, of course, we saw uh, a big push by House Democrats to have certain news media outlets banned from um, carriers like, you know, your local cable carrier says the top two officials from the Federal Communications Commission on Monday said an attempt by House Democrats to pressure television carriers to deplatform Fox News and two other cable news channels was troubling because it seeks to stifle pol political speech and independent news judgment. The FCC commissioners, um, I won't say their names because I'll get them wrong, in separate statements responded to letters penned by two Democrats, two Democrat members on the House Energy and Commerce Committee that were sent to 12 cable, satellite, and streaming companies. Can you imagine? I mean, these are House Democrats that are like call, calling upon these companies individually and saying, you need to ban these organizations because we don't like what they have to say. Uh, boy, would I love to ban some organizations because I don't like what they have to say. That's true. I would. I would love that. I've never written such a letter. I've never made such a phone call. I've never sent such an email uh, asking other people to ban them. Um, you know, I was listening to the TFP on Saturday, uh, Tradition Family Property. I took my boys to a sword demonstration there. They love it. They absolutely love it. And uh, afterwards, there's a little presentation by one of the TFP members, and he was talking about a crusade, but a crusade of ideas, not a crusade of arms, but a crusade of ideas. And I firmly believe that when we stand upon a crusade of ideas, we win. 
We win every time. And that's why they want to ban this stuff. Not that I support Fox News in particular. Um, that's not what I'm even talking about. To me, it doesn't even matter whether it's Fox News, Newsmax, One, One America, or what, whatever, or MSNBC, CNN, whatever your preference is. That's not what I'm even talking about. I, I actually don't care much for any of them. But my point is, when it comes to ideas, the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith should never be afraid and, and isn't afraid on, on the ideas. And when you come across someone who wants to ban ideas uh, because they are afraid of them, then that should be a telltale sign of, of the situation and the conversation that you're having with, with these people. Um, and I'm glad to see that these FCC commissioners, and I don't know who these people were appointed by. The last guy who ran the FCC was appointed by Barack Obama and yet served all the way through Donald Trump's administration as well. So I don't know who these people are, what their politics are, but I'm glad they spoke out. We'll post a link to that. Uh, Clarence Thomas is in the dissent in the election cases that uh, the Supreme Court decided not to, not to, not to hear. Uh, it says, quote, our fellow citizens deserve better and expect more of us. Justice Clarence Thomas declared Monday when the Supreme Court decided by one vote to hear none of the 2020 election cases raising issues of voter fraud and illegal votes. Right. And I think it's important to point out that Justice Thomas didn't believe that there was enough voter fraud to have swayed the election. He said yeah. that. Um, but he said, none, nevertheless, there was there were some inconsistencies and we owe it to the American people to look into them. Yeah, exactly. Again, it goes back to uh, the idea uh, or the the. Um, ideas right so it's like you want to have a conversation you should be able to have the dialogue the conversation around well what happened and why did it happen and then you know he could very well just disagree with the evidence per that is presented i mean he's not saying he agrees or disagrees with it but the fact is that if we don't look at these things if we don't pro provide uh clarity and resolution i mean what is the one what are the what is one of the biggest frustrations right now just in the catholic church among uh catholics who are sick and tired of a scandal after scandal after scandal clarity we want clarity mm-hmm um, I was talking to uh, Michael Hitchporn last week, and he was uh, providing us an update on people who get grants, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, for, for the, They get money from Catholic donations that don't support our Catholic ideals. In fact, quite the opposite. And Catholics are like, isn't it clear we shouldn't give money to organizations that oppose us every, on every lockstep and turn? Of course. Clarity. Thank you, Justice Thomas, for at least speaking out. We'll be right back with Breaking Stories and Nigeria. All that's coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, What's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, Right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences, and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton. 
org. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and today is Tuesday, February 23rd. These are your headlines for today. Virginia is expected to become the first southern state to abolish the death penalty after its General Assembly voted on Monday to end the practice. Virginia has executed more people in its history than any other state except Texas. The state currently has two inmates on death row. Both of Virginia's Catholic bishops stated their support when versions of the bill passed the legislature earlier this month. In 2018, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis had formally changed the official catechism of the Catholic Church on the death penalty, calling capital punishment an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person and deeming it inadmissible in all cases. In Minnesota, Democrats have proposed a bill to legalize euthanasia. This is the fourth time euthanasia le legislation has surfaced in Minnesota since 2016, with the first three versions having failed. Noting many of the dangers that arise from implementing assisted suicide legislation, the Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life released a statement pointing to the lack of any safeguarding measures in place after the drug has been dispensed to prevent pressure, coercion, or abuse, adding that no one is required to witness the death. Critics have also made the observation that in the past, states that which already have so-called death with dignity legislation like Oregon have seen local he health insurers steer patients towards suicide because it is the cheaper option. The state of Israel has begun reopening parts of its economy to citizens who have been vaccinated against COVID-19 following a two-month lockdown and the recent release of a vaccine tracking app. Those who have not yet received the COVID vaccine or who have refused to take the jab will remain unable to access a number of venues and businesses. Despite being awarded the Green Pass, which requires renewal every six months, vaccine pass holders will still have to wear a mask in public setting settings and practice social distancing. The state's borders and airports remain closed for the time being. And in his weekly Angelus address, Pope Francis reflected on Christ's 40 days in the wilderness, saying, quote, The desert is the place where God speaks to the heart of the human person and where the answer to prayer flows. That is, the desert of solitude, the heart detached from other things and alone, in that solitude opens itself to the word of God. After the Angelus address, the Holy Father greeted Polish pilgrims and reflected on the anniversary of the first apparition of Jesus to St. Faustina in Poland 90 years ago. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thank you, Emily, for reading the news and keeping us up to date. Uh, we're expecting a phone call from the uh, personal uh, secretary and uh, attorney for Mr. Kanu, Mazi Namdi Kanu, he is the leader of the B Indigenous People of Biafra and the director of Radio Biafra and Television 
He also leads the largest mass movement of freedom in the world, and uh, Biafrans all over the world uh, follow him in the restoration of the sovereign nation of Biafra. Now, you, just as a little background, there was, uh, in, in the mid-60s, there was a civil war there. The people in the southeast state wanted to be independent. Uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, persecution. There was a lot of turmoil because of the northern Fulani. And uh, it didn't go well. It didn't end well. And now there's a movement again to, uh, to uh, stand on their own. And we wanted to get greater context and try to understand because I don't know about you, but when I read the headline news about uh, stories that come out of, out of Nigeria, it's, it can, as a Western person, it can be very confusing. What is going on here? What are the causes? Who, who's doing what to whom and why? And I always felt like I never got solid answers to those questions, and I was, was always uh, mightily confused by it. Until I met a, a wonderful Catholic woman up in uh, North Texas who, who sat down with me and explained a lot of stuff to me. So we were very excited to have this conversation. Unfortunately, Mr. Kanu was uh, not feeling up to it. But his attorney, Caroline uh, Akafur, is on the phone with us or on by Zoom with us this morning. Good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program. Morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate um, you just taking time to just notice what's going on in the um, southeast of Nigeria. It's, it's definitely uh, admirable. Now, Mr. Kanu uh, is, you said, was not feeling well. Hopefully he, he'll be okay. It's not yeah. serious. Jet lag, just jet lag. Just jet lag. Um, well, praise be to God. We're very happy it's not very serious. But maybe you could start, uh, Miss Caroline, with uh, giving us the background. Uh, Biafra is not a, a, a term or a name that most Western people like myself have ever heard of. What what does that mean, and and why is there a movement for independence yet again in Nigeria? Well, just like you addressed earlier, um, I know that she spoke about what was going on in 1967, which was one of the biggest genocides of the Civil War in Nigeria. Um, a lot of Biafrans died. I, I believe over two million died. Um, and we were merged forcefully um, into Nigeria. Um, the sad thing is since that atrocities has happened and occurred in 1967, we're sitting here in 2021 and things have still not gotten better. When Biafra was a republic at that time in Nigeria, um, the Igbos or people had a sense of freedom, right? They were able to basically live life and, and do things accordingly without fear, without um, corruption from the government. They just basically had everything that they wanted um, in a republic to just live happy and well. Financially, everything was going well. They were able to provide schools for um, our people. So after the Civil War, when that was taken away from us, um, we were forced to live in this country, a corrupt country called Nigeria. You know, And if you know the history of Nigeria, you know that there's so much um, issues with the government. With the government, so much terrorism. So fast forward again till today, um, we're still going through those same atrocities that occurred in 1967. They're just um, bigger as far as an overlaps of time. And some of the stories are honestly worse now. You know, we're dealing with the Fulanese herdsmen and we're dealing with the government as well. And they continue to suppress us. So what Biafra means, it just means a sense of freedom. Mm. Freedom that we're trying to regain um, and not just for Biafrans, for everyone that is living in Nigeria that is having a sense of insecurity 
that's having a sense of um, lack of freedom, a lack of fundamental rights. That is um, the symbol of Biafra. And we are working hard to make sure that there's not going to be another 1967 genocide. And we're, ma we're making sure that Biafra will come because it's needed. You know, you have to pretty much build this republic. Um, you basically have to rebuild a republic not because people try to say, okay, one Nigeria, let's just fix Nigeria. You cannot fix Nigeria. You need to start something new and fresh. And that's what we're advocating for. We're talking with Caroline Okofor. Now, how do I say your last name properly? You said it once Okra on the phone. I'm sorry? It's, it's Okorafor. Okorafor. Did I say that right? <laughs> I hope I get your name right. Yeah. At any rate, we're talking with a uh, personal secretary and attorney here in the United States for Mr. Uh, Nazi Ma Namdi Kanu who is the leader of the Biafra people and, and their movement and their cause. Now, one of the questions I have, just for clarity's sake, is uh, oftentimes when I look at the headlines of the reports of uh, atrocities coming out of Nigeria, I think in terms of Muslim versus Christian, uh, the, the Fulanese up in the north versus the, the Ibus in the south, but is it that simple? Is it that straightforward? Or is there, maybe you can help us better understand uh, the, the groups, the the the, the Fulanese versus the Ibus, and how are they made up uh, demographically? So the Fulanese, they are they mostly reside in the north, and then the Ibos are um, they mostly reside in the southeast. So the the problem is is that if if you look at the history of Nigeria, Nigeria is pretty much ran by the north, um, and the Fulanese, they are most of them are herdsmen. That's what they do from day to day. Um, they are Muslims and their idea is pretty much to kind of take over every area of Nigeria, including the Southeast. So they move their cattle from time to time. And right now, currently, they are actually pushing, not pushing, but they're actually trying to mobilize themselves in the Southeast. And upon doing that, they're killing, you know, because Igbos, majority of them are Christians. Catholics, Jewish, so majority, um, they're, they're killing them. They're coming into their towns, taking over their lands, and they are, are killing them. Um, by, by religion, Fulanese are Muslim. So, you know, today I read, which was, you know, pretty much on point, Muslim Fulanese killed 11 Christians, um, and two were wounded in Nigeria. It's an ongoing issue. Mm. Um, and Nigeria does not hold the Fulanese they don't hold them accountable. So there's really no laws there. And it's pretty much like you're, you're trying to force people to be in a religion that they're not brought up to that for one. And then you're trying to force people to give up their land. Um, and again, just oppressing us. So yes, is it that, if that um, helps answer your question. Is it a case where the, the government in the North is turning a blind eye, or are they actively sponsoring and promoting this level, this behavior, this this uh, violence against the people? So, to, so to, to answer both your questions, yes and yes. The government is turning a blind eye. I have so much um, reports, and every day I, I, I pretty much cry about it. You see so many reports of coming from the Southeast and what's going on. They have an actual... Um, they actually have laws in place that prevent the Fulanese to do what, um, to pre prevent them to do what they're doing. But the governor, the federal government and the state government, they don't, they fail to act. Time after time, they do not act. And the fact is that the, 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 um, the federal government is mostly comprised of people from the North, right? 
the, we don't have a, a representation of, of Igbos um, in the government in high level places where we will be able to push for. for uh, all right, hold that thought. We'll be right this back. This is the Pope Paul VI Institute Minute with Dr. Tom Hilgers. Is the Catholic Church out of date? Is she irrelevant in her views on reproductive medicine? Since the introduction of the birth control pill in the 1960s, medical science on a whole has made little attempt to understand the fertility and menstrual cycles. Physicians and researchers remain satisfied with controlling or masking symptoms and problems with the oral contraceptive pill. Couples wanting to live according to church teachings on love and life struggle to do so effectively and joyfully. Could contraception ever be morally permissible? I wondered about this when I was a senior medical student. That is, until the 25th of July, 1968, when Pope Paul VI issued the letter Humana Vitae. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. For a complimentary gift and more information on the Pope Paul VI Institute, log on to www.popepaulvi6.com. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. We're talking about uh, Nigeria, the Afrin movement, the Afrin people seeking independence and freedom. And trying to get an understanding, because again, I said this earlier, but if you're at all like me, someone from the West, born and raised in America, and don't understand you know, the real dynamics at play here, um, it's easy to under to misunderstand what you read in the headlines when they come out. You just you shake your head and you just don't understand it. And unfortunately, one of the problems is it's just underreported just to begin with. And what you do get is not enough information. So to help clarify that, uh, we're having a conversation with Caroline Okafor. She is the uh, personal secretary and, and uh, attorney for Mr. Mazi Namdi Kanu, who is the leader of the Bafran movement and people. Uh, good morning and welcome back to our program, uh, Caroline. Thank you so much again. I also want to welcome uh, uh, Miss uh, Dr. Augustina uh, Odidiku, who helped me better understand things last year when I had a chance to sit down with her. Good morning to you, Tina. Good morning, Joe, and good morning, Carolyn. Um, Praise be to God. Thank you both for having this conversation. I think it's an important one. One of the questions I want to jump back into is uh, related to the news. I struggle to find sources that provide good quality information about what does go on in Nigeria. Um, Caroline, what, what, which outlets provide the best, most accurate information? You know, it's, that's the struggle, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Joe. That, that is a struggle that we have a problem with because, you know, journalists in, in Nigeria are actually they're threatened daily, on a daily, from the government about posting actual facts that are going on. So you rarely, rarely um, see such information being, you know, I guess, you know, basically being laid out as the facts should. But some of the reports that I look at, I mean, there's a lot of Eastern 
um, articles. They're not as publicized as other um, journal journalists. But Sahara reporters, I mean, they, they just started reporting um, some stuff that's going on. I think that's probably like the only one that I that I read. And then we have our own journalist that I um, that I actually get the news from because they report stuff that's actually on the ground. So, um, and I would I will share you some of uh, their websites as well. One thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get those articles, you know, at least publicized here in the United States, so the United States could understand what's going on. And I just I just pray that this time, you know, their eyes will be open and they can assist us um, and, and help and really really help us and, and put their uh, hands into this because people are dying daily and. Um, we, we, we have to step in. Uh, Tina, uh, you're part of the diaspora, you know, the, the many, uh, the many people of, I, I want to say Nigerian, but I'm, I'm guessing based on this conversation that maybe the word Nigerian might not be the most appropriate, uh, word to use to describe you, Tina. How do you describe yourself and how should we in the West be thinking of, of the people? I want you to, every time you meet someone who says that they're Biafrans, ask them. We want to be identified as Biafran Americans. That's number one. Anywhere you find us in the world, we would like to identify as Biafrans, not as Nigerians. Because as you know, the word Nigeria is coming or coined from N-I-G-E-R. Nigger, everyone knows that that is a derogatory term in the United States of America. Nobody wants to be called that. That's number one. And number two is that that area that they call Nigeria was never formed by the indigents of the people. That the people who called us that name uh, were British explorers. And now this is in quotes. British explorers who came and gave a space like that, the name Nigeria. We are indigenous peoples of different ethnic tribes, and we want to remain that way. We want to go back to that form because putting us together has not worked for many, many, many years. Mm. And right now, Nigeria is a killing field. It is a killing field. If you live in the space called Nigeria, your life is in danger 24-7. Like Caroline already said, mm. we just want to return back how we used to be. We want to be a peaceful people. We want to live our simple lives. We don't need a whole lot to be happy in life. We just want to be left alone. But right now, no one lives in Nigeria that is even at ease with himself or herself. Wow. You lay down at night, you don't know whether you'll be killed in the night. And you wake up in the morning and get in the street, you don't know whether you'll be killed in the street. It is a killing field. And I heard you ask that question before. If the government in place in Nigeria is actively recruiting and helping, yes, the answer to that question is yes. Buhari, Mohamedou Buhari's government is actively recruiting and installing people all over Nigeria, even the governors in those different states that they have, are working almost as slaves to him to make sure that they carry out the Muslim agenda. And the Muslim agenda is simple, to fulanize and Islamize all of Nigeria and take it over. So Christians has no place in Nigeria whatsoever. If you're a Christian, 
you're as good as dead. If you don't die today, you die tomorrow. That's how it is. So for the sake of clarity, I'm still trying to understand the Biafra movement. Is this an ethnically unified group? Are all Biafrans Igbo, or do they speak the same language? Do they have the same religion? Or is it sort of different indigenous groups who want their separation from Nigeria? We, uh, we Biafrans are ethnically related, but we have different dialects of the Igbo language and different versions of the Igbo language, uh, tribal languages. So we are different, but we are related. We, our DNA, like our, our leader says, our DNA is the same. We are the same people, the same stock of people. We came from Israel, and we descended and migrated into that area called uh, the Niger Delta area, the, the southeast part of Nigeria. Uh, Caroline, I want to go back to you. We have about uh, five minutes or so left in our conversation. Uh, Caroline Okafor, the personal secretary and attorney for uh, Mr. Mazi Namdi Kanu, the leader of the Biafran movement. Uh, you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you wanted to avoid the genocide that occurred in the 60s. Now, one of the elements of that, for most of us that probably aren't familiar with the story, I only know because I looked it up. I cheated. I, I looked into it. Uh, but at the time, during the Civil War, the, the leader in the North surrounded and created a blockade of the South, preventing food uh, from coming in. And so many of the people starved as a part of that Civil War. How... Is it? What are the chances? I mean, today is the today marks the the first day of the siege of the Alamo in 1835. What is the? Uh, so it fascinates me on one level uh, and concerns me on another. How can is? What are the chances that you could secede from Nigeria? Number one, number two. Uh, how would you avoid actual armed conflict and uh, and violence, uh, Caroline? So the chances that we can succeed, I do believe, because. Um, Biafrans are not the other, the only group agitating for freedom. There's other groups, other um, ethnic groups in Nigeria that are um, agitating for freedom. So, you know, the chance of us succeeding more than ever is is it's it's very large. It's very high. Um, I just think that our group, IPOB, Indigenous People of Biafra, have they've been doing such. They're the largest movement, like you said, and we've been trying to just kind of pump in information as much as possible as we can and get other countries alert. So if we continue to work as hard as we do and the Nigerian government continues to fail as fast as they're doing, you know, you know, succeeding or, or, or to succession is it's not a problem. It's not, it's not um, unrealistic. It's very much realistic. But do you think you could um, avoid the conflict, actual armed conflict? And that's the thing, you know, as, cause right now, we have we have to we have the Eastern Security Network that is in the, it's in the southeast. They were created um, by Mazinamikano through IPOB, and they are there to protect um, the land of our people. So, you know, if the if other countries continues to be silenced, I feel like war is is going to be at at the footsteps. But um, if other countries get involved and people are made more aware, then something can be done before war is taken, before full-blown war is taken place. Because if you read stuff right now, I mean, it's, it's, it's getting there. It's, it's approaching there very fast. And that's why we're begging and praying, um, not necessarily begging, but we're just praying for other countries to get involved and see 
how they can assist us before, you know, war comes. Hmm. And what do you need uh, countries like the United States or countries in the West at all to, what are you asking of them? Uh, what could they do to assist in this situation and bring, uh, bring peace and security to your people? Well, in all, well, in all honesty, um, you know, we are the only people that can actually bring it ourselves. But with the assistance of, you know, British, that's a whole other story. The UK, the UK has heavy ties with Nigeria and they have the power to force them to get a referendum. You know, Nigeria, they don't want to change their constitution to um, implement a referendum. If they do that, it's going to be zero to nothing. We, we will win that because everybody wants freedom. Um, as far as the United States, if the United States can make it more aware of what's going on and put sanctions on some of the um, on some of the state and federal officials that are acting um, in violence towards some of the citizens, and just there's different things that the United States can do. So putting sanctions, making it more aware, um, actually speaking up about the idea of Biafra being a republic and how that will be able to help. Um, people in Nigeria. So, yes. All right. We are out of time. Uh, Caroline Okofor, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful that you were on our program and gave us some great context and information there. We'll be praying for all of the people and uh, we're grateful for your time. Hopefully, we'll have a chance someday in the future to talk to Mr. Khan. It would be great to have him on our program. Yeah. Uh, but God Definitely. love you. And, thank you. Uh, of course, uh, Dr. Tina Agostina Madu Odidika, thank you for being on the show and giving us some greater context as well. We're very grateful to you. Thank you, Joe. All right. Praise be to God. Pray for the Biafran people and their and their cause. Uh, and definitely, let's see what we can do to help them and assist them in this moment. But don't go anywhere. If you're able to join us for the second hour of Catholic Drive Time, we would certainly love to have you. Got a lot more coming, including the game show and a huge prize is at stake this week. So join us on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Just search for at GRN online. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord, Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. 
Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, I heard that the GRN is raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Miyagi loves support Catholic Radio on GRN. Where can you get tickets? Thing called Internet. <laughs> Go to grnonline.com. One ticket, $25. Five ticket, $100. Drawing in the March 1st. Name drawn March 4th. What are you going to do if you win? Give to you. Practice. Wax on, wax off. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Um, looks like it's going to be a beautiful morning where I'm at. I don't know where you are, what's on your calendar today. But we'll certainly be praying for your intentions here in a few minutes. Just finished a conversation with Caroline Okafor. She is the uh, attorney and secretary to uh, Mazi Namdi Kanu, who is the leader of the Bafford movement, an effort to regain its freedom and independence from the state of Nigeria. Um, that's the uh, mostly Christians in the southeast corner of, of the country. And uh, heavily persecuted, by the way. Uh, and that was an interesting conversation. Uh, Dr. Augustina Madu Odidika also joined the conversation as well. We'll post that video that just by itself on our YouTube and Rumble channels later today, so you can be on the lookout for that. But in this hour, we have the game show, of course, coming up, and uh, that's always a fun time. Plus, $200 value on the prize pack. It's kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Emily Al- uh, Alcaraz, it's, I almost called you Alcatraz. Emily Alcatraz. I, I think, who is it that called you Alcatraz? Was it Jesus? Or everyone. Somebody? Everyone. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning. Um, I've seen Alcatraz once. It was pretty cool. Uh, the, is that the one with Clint Eastwood? No, not the movie. Of course I saw that movie. Escape what do you from mean? Alcatraz. Oh, the, the actual Alcatraz. Oh, you've been to, okay, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, at any rate, big distraction there. <laughs> this is the biggest game prize to date on Catholic Drive Time? I believe so, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. $200 value. So this four-book set of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's visions, and she was a mystic of the 19th century. That's amazing. Praise be mm-hmm. to God. So the game show's coming up, breaking news and stories, saying of the day, gospel of the day. If you're just joining us, we'll have all of that here in a moment. Of course, the Holy Mass will be at 7.30, and then we'll have the after show uh, where we hang out uh, till the top of the hour on our live video feeds. And if you can hang out with us there, you can comment and be a part of the program. We read the comments, so we talk about whatever comes up, plus your comments, and we'd love to hear from you. But let's begin with prayer, whatever your 
our intentions are. We're going to ask Our Lady to whisper those into the ear of her son that he may uh, draw us ever somewhere close into his most sacred heart. Of course, we're praying for our team and our radio apostolate as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Yesterday, the Supreme Court decided by one vote not to hear any of the 2020 election cases raising issues of voter fraud and illegal votes. Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett voted with the Democrat justices to deny review of the lower court decisions. Four justices must vote to hear a case to put it on the court's docket, but only three justices, Clarence Thomas, fellow conservative Samuel Alito, and libertarian Niall Gorsuch, voted to take at least two of four of the key cases from November 2020. All three dissenting justices took the unusual step of writing opinions as to why the court should have taken a minimum of two of these cases. Five women have been charged in the vandalism of, Catholic, of a Catholic statue in California. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco warned that dropping the charges against the assailants who destroyed a statue of St. Junipero Serra would set a dangerous precedent. After the statue was defaced in 2020, Catholics rallied in a peaceful demonstration and prayed the rosary together outside the church. Archbishop Cordelione performed an exorcism at the site of the statue in October calling the statue's destruction an act of blasphemy. An online petition demanding that the district attorney drop the charges garnered nearly 77,000 signatures, but Cordelione asked the Marin County District Attorney to prosecute those arrested to the full extent of the law. Catholics in Scotland are calling for further changes to a controversial hate crime bill. The bill, which was introduced by the Scottish government in 2020, would criminalize dis disagreement with any of the protected characteristics of the bill, which include race, religion, sexual orientation, and transgender identity. In July, Scotland's Catholic bishops expressed concern that the legislation could criminalize the Bible and the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Christian leaders have appealed for further changes to the bill. An unprecedented alliance of Catholic and evangelical leaders called earlier this month for more time for detailed consideration of the bill, which Parliament is attempting to pass quickly. A Protestant pastor in Canada was jailed for refusing to comply with COVID-19 mandates. James Coates is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton. Coates turned himself in after police visited his congregation of 400 people several times and threatened to arrest him. In a statement, Grace Life Church stated, quote, Having engaged in an immense amount of research, interacting with both doctors and frontline healthcare workers, it is apparent that the negative effects of the government lockdown measures on society far surpass the effects of COVID-19. Coates' next court appearance is scheduled for tomorrow, February 24th. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Polycarp of Smyrna, pray for us. He was born in around the year 69 AD, and he came to know the disciple St. John the Apostle himself. 
In fact, uh, some say he uh, learned the Christian faith from the man, uh, as well as St. Ignatius of Antioch and others. Uh, incredible early church father of the church. He, he was very well loved, very well respected in the entire region. We're talking about Turkey here, so this is about the area of Turkey. He fought Gnosticism. He became the Bishop of Smyrna. In fact, he was so uh, good friends with St. Ignatius of Antioch Then, in 110 AD when Ignatius was on his way to be eaten by lions in the Roman Colosseum. Uh, he stopped in uh, in his little town there of Polycarp's town and hung out with Polycarp for a couple of months, even with the Roman guards in tow. And uh, delegates from the churches all over Asia Minor came and hung out with them to hear the final words of the great St. Ignatius of, of Antioch. But Polycarp, too, very well loved, very well respected. He was sent to the Pope at the time, Antecetus, to tried to work out the date of Easter celebration. That was uh, hotly debated in the early church. He wrote many letters, but only one survives to today, and that's to the Church of Philippi in Macedonia. At 86 years old, he was arrested on, and charged for the crime of being a Christian and sentenced to be martyred by being burned alive in the stadium in Smyrna. Unfortunately, miraculously, his body would not burn. He was preserved from the fire. Uh, so they stabbed him to death, and then they burned his body, and he was martyred in about the year 155 A.D. St. Polycarp of Smyrna, pray for us. The Gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 7-15. through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm praying, or rather in praying, do not babble like the pagans, who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is how you are to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. Uh, the Our Father is an excellent meditation for the holy season of Lent, going through each uh, of the parts and chewing on them individually. The fact that you can say Father is so fantastic. In the old law, the one time a year could that be said, and only by the high priest. So now all of us are welcome. This is one of the chief things that Christ does for us in the Holy Gospels, is give us this intimate relationship with Abba, the Father. And he does so in a very particular way. And of course, uh, we, last hour I quoted St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I also quoted this last week as well, that this is the most perfect of all the prayers because of the structure of it. Uh, but Tertullian himself would say the Lord's Prayer truly is a summary of the whole gospel. You know, uh, chew on the Father for a bit. But also, how about chew on our daily bread? Did you know the Greek word is epiousios? Did you know that that has a meaning of super substantial? And many of the early church fathers saw that as a reference 
to the Holy Eucharist at Holy Mass, St. Ignatius of Antioch being among them. It is a pretty powerful thing to see that our Lord and Savior gives us this, this powerful prayer uh, that will not only unite us to God the Father in heaven, but to bring about the needs, those most pure needs that we need as humans, and in the proper order, as St. Thomas Aquinas would tell us. But it's that super substantial bread that comes down from heaven, the body, blood, soul, and divinity that uh, we take on our tongue and that we receive inside of us, that this is so pure, this is so intimate, this is so incredible, this personal relationship with Christ himself that we would chew on his flesh, gnaw on his flesh, and drink his blood. Powerful stuff that our Lord brings to us here in the Our Father, and what a wonderful chance we have this holy season of Lent to chew on that. Emily, uh, any Adrian, any input here? Well, I was pointing out last hour was the word epiousios in Greek, which uh, St. Jerome, who originally translated the Vulgate from the Greek, um, he pointed out that there were two different ways to translate the word daily and give us this day our daily bread. And most modern scholars agree that the more accurate one is not the one that we commonly use. So when we pray the Our Father, we say, give us this day our daily bread. But another literal translation of the word epiousios or daily in Greek would be super substantial, which means a bread that is not merely uh, material, um, but a bread that has a different substance, a different essence, which is above um, the natural bread. And so, of course, this is a reference to the Eucharist. You know, Catechism, uh, paragraph 2837 is a great place to go that breaks that down and makes it very clear. It's powerful. I think most Catholics, Adrian, maybe, uh, uh, wouldn't you agree, most Catholics probably have never thought about the Our Father in this way. Well, there, there is a lot to unpack with the Our Father. I, I think um, there's just about every saint that I can think of, St. Alphonse Liguori, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, Cornelius Alapide, uh, just about every single saint and holy person has written a commentary on the Our Father. And so if you pick up an old catechism, the Baltimore Catechism, um, the catechism series that we interviewed about, Aaron Sang about, they, uh, they have tons of explanations about these seven points that are broken down from the Our Father. And uh, that this is very important, and I highly recommend you go and find your favorite saint uh, and go read what they wrote about the Our Father. It's so impactful because of the importance of the line before it. It talks about useless babbling or vain repetition. Uh, we don't need to uselessly babble, as Cornelius Lapide says, because our God is not an ignorant God. He doesn't need us to tell him, list every single thing we need, every single person we want to pray for, because our Lord knows what we want before we even say. They're not like the pagan gods who we have to teach them and tell them and inform them about what we need, what we know. Uh, our God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He can do anything. And so we only need to ask because our Lord, not because we need to let him know what we need, because he already knows that. Instead, we tell him and we ask him in order that we may participate in the saving work of God, that he allows us to participate in that action. All right. Speaking of knowing everything, the game show's coming up. And does Emily or Adrian know everything? Hmm. I that do. leaves a lot to be uh, wondered about. And we'll have another opportunity for three more entries into the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize pack, which is valued at $200. It's kind of a big deal. So uh, you're, you're going to have an opportunity. I'm going to give you the phone number now. And if you've never played before, this is a great opportunity to get in on that. You know, we've had a lot of people uh, play to this point. We're trying to give as much opportunity as possible. But I think as a general rule, could we say 
that if it's been over a month, you could play again. Can we? Is that okay? Can we, are we I think to, that's a good rule. All sure. in favor, say aye. Aye. Eyes aye. have it. Okay. So if you've if it's been a month, you can play again. Otherwise, we're hoping that you know get new contestants all the time, new opportunities. Two hundred dollar prize pack for the Anne Catherine Emmerich. Uh, uh, prize. It's a kind of a cool deal to read these uh, mystical revelations of uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, and you could get a chance at that. So here's the phone number 877 757 9424. First caller gets to be our contestant. If you've not played before, wonderful opportunity to get in on this, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. 877 757 9424. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and to the uh, Fear and Trembling Game Show, uh, where we uh, get to have a little fun. We get to teach a little bit about the faith, and prizes are always given out, so it's a cool deal. And uh, we never ask the caller the questions. Instead, we ask Emily, we ask Adrian, and one of them will have a right answer. The other will have a wrong answer, and the caller We'll have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And then uh, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize pack. Tell them what they could win, Emily. 
This week's sponsor is Tan Books, and Tan is giving away a $200 valued set, a four-volume set of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich's Visions on the Life of Christ. So huge prize this week. Amen. Praise God. And thank you to everyone who tries to call in and be a part of the program. We're very grateful to you. We, we love this part. It's a lot of fun. And to hang out with you, get to know you a little bit. So it's always the first caller we take. But to everybody else who tried calling in, God love you. Try again tomorrow morning. Uh, but let's go to the phones. Kathy, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our show. Kathy, thanks for being on with us. Good morning, Joe. It's a pleasure. It's a blessing to be with you guys. Praise be to God. Just, Where are you from, I, Kathy? From Danvers, Massachusetts. Danvers. And yeah, and your wife is from Peabody. She <laughs> is. That's true. <laughs> Praise be to and God. My, my my maternal uh, and and paternal grandparents and parents grew up in Peabody. Born were raised in Peabody. Oh, is that right? And little, yeah. So my. <laughs> All of my family is, is from there. Oh, how Both wonderful. Praise be so to I'm God. So I'm sure that your wife's family knows some of my family because my mother's <laughs> family had ten children. <laughs> my wife told me everyone knew her family, including <laughs> including the local police. <laughs> I'm only And teasing. I wanted to tell you that uh, before the lights went out uh, in Texas, the electricity went out. You mentioned Guilford, that you lived in Guilford, New Hampshire. And my two brothers and my sister lived in uh, Belmont and Northfield, New Hampshire. Sure. And my my grandparents in 1920 were married in that white church in the center of Guilford. Really? In February. And it, the day of their wedding, there was a big storm, and my grandfather couldn't get the horse and carriage out of the <laughs> barn. So he grabbed a lantern, and he walked to my grandmother's house, and they, they walked to the church and got married. Praise and God. everyone said they wouldn't last, and on their 50th anniversary, Anniversary, though all the little cousins reenacted their wedding. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. sweet. Yeah, nana, nana, boo boo. How you like that? Yeah, praise yeah. be to God. All right, Kathy. Uh, so, are you familiar with the rules of the game? Very familiar. Very familiar. So, you and, know, and you like, can't trust Emily or Adrian. They probably will try to fool right. you. You got to keep a sharp ear out. Uh, are, are you okay. ready to go, Kathy? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, Emily, we'll start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Are you sure? I'm ready. Here we go. Emily, how many spiritual works of mercy are there? Spiritual? Okay. Is it different from corporal? I would like guess. the amount? I would, I, the amount? So, yeah, how many spiritual works of mercy are there? Uh, I'm going to go with seven, the number of perfection. The number of perfection. Mm -hmm. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell us how many spiritual works of mercy are there? Hmm, that's a tough one. I I think I'm going to go with 18. 18? Uh, yes, 18. That's the... Uh, I think that's the number of uh, spiritual gifts or something like that. Okay, like 18. Speaking in tongues and the like, I don't know. So you're on the hook for 18. Emily is on the hook for 7. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kathy, 15 seconds I'm on the clock. I'm going with Emily. 7, the perfect number. <laughs> Survey says... The number of completions. Praise be yes. to God. That was an easy one. Yeah. Not a doubt. Not a doubt. There's, there's no fooling you, Kathy. <laughs> All right, so the 7 corporal works of mercy. A bonus question. Can you name them? Anyone? Anyone? Oh my! Uh, let's see. It is admonish the sinner. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Instruct the ignorant. Um, Feed the hungry. No, that's a corporate no, no, no. works of mercy. 
Oh, yeah. I looked up the wrong got, list. <laughs> what? Counseling up, the doubtful. I looked up the corporal instead of the spiritual. I'll have to look up the Instructing the ignorant, admonishing the sinner, comforting the sorrowful, forgiving injuries, bearing wrongs patiently, praying for the living and the dead. Yeah, praying for the All living. All right. And the dead. There you go. Wow. Congratulations. I, I would have got it eventually. <laughs> you are in the coffee cup of divine providence, Kathy. Well done. Uh, second question could be tricky. Uh, But let's just see how it goes. A 50-50 shot every time, so there's always an opportunity. Let's go with Adrian this time. Adrian, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Adrian, what famous Catholic proved that disease and decay are caused by bacteria? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Bacteria, that's like being sick. I'm going to go with Blaise Pascal. Ah, Blaise Pascal. Could be. Sounds reasonable, but is it? That's the question. Is Emily, it Emily, can you tell me what famous Catholic proved that disease and decay are caused by bacteria? Well, I know that Blaise Pascal was a mathematician, so probably not him. Uh, he was a scientist, uh, too. Wow. She shut you so down there, I'm going to go with... Uh, Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur. It's a battle of Catholic scientists today. Louis Pasteur is Emily's answer, and Blaise Pascal is Adrian's answer. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kathy, what say you? Without a doubt, Emily Louis Pasteur. Wow. Very confident. Without yes, a look doubt. at that. Oh, oh my goodness. Now she has no way she was going to believe it. And I'm not even Catholic yet. I'm not even Catholic. What? Kathy. The vigil. Uh, she's, oh, yeah, she's one I, telling us that she was getting baptized on Easter vigil. Oh, Praise that was you. Oh, Catholic, congratulations. The, Welcome home the, the to the Catholic faith. my 72nd birthday. How wonderful. And, I, and I, when I first went to my priest to, um, you know, for catechesis, and he told, asked me, you know, my like my faith journey and all. When I was all done, he said, "Wow, you know more about the Catholic Church than I do because I, I listen to iCatholic Radio." Oh, yes, <laughs> isn't that funny? Praise be to God. That's awesome, Kathy. Well, congratulations. I came home to the Catholic Church in uh, the the cathedral in Manchester, New Hampshire, in know, 1999 at the Easter Vigil. Yeah. So uh, I came into the Catholic Church wait. 22 years ago <laughs> when he was and baptized. Adrian and Emily. <laughs> You, Adrian and Emily, you two just blow me away. I, I just, oh, you give me such hope for the future for our young people when I hear you two. Uh, I'm just so you. blessed by all of you, but you young people are amazing. All right, that's thank the you, one Kathy. time this week that we can be nice to them, Kathy. Uh, that's it. We've exceeded our quota. It's from only here Tuesday. On out. You know, I usually wait till Friday to try to be nice, but all right. Uh, we have well, the one last trivia question for you, Kathy. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Back to you, Emily, this time. Okay. Emily, can you tell me, is membership in secret societies, like the Freemasons, for instance, is that permitted for Catholics? I'm going to, so, that's a complicated, I don't know. I'm going to go with maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. Is that the official answer? I don't want to go full yes. You're not on a for full yes. Just okay. like. Maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. I'd be curious to what you think those uh, sometimes were, but let's just see what Adrian has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me, is membership in secret societies, like the Freemasons, for instance, permitted for Catholics? You know, I could see why someone might say maybe sometimes, because there are a lot of Catholics in secret societies. Yeah. But I'm going to say no. You're oh. not. It's never permitted for Catholics to be in part of uh, the Freemasonry specifically, uh, but secret societies as a whole. All right. Adrian's on the hook for no. Emily's on the hook for maybe sometimes. 
15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Kathy, what say you? I'm going with Adrian. Absolutely no. <laughs> Survey says... Perfect score. There we go. Easy peasy. We should have a stump Kathy segment. That, no, that, that, she got uh, flying colors. In fact, the, condemn, the condemnations of secret societies has actually been condemned more than any other error. Uh, that Amen. and uh, communism. The two of those things have been condemned Amen. more than almost yes. anything else. Yes. And my, that, dad was a fr- my dad was a Freemason, and he got me into Rainbow Girls when I was in junior high. And oh, by wow. God's grace, I got out of it. And... Uh, to praise God to this day. He's always been with me. <laughs> yeah, praise yeah. God. I, too, was in uh, in the Freemasons myself. In fact, I did a show with uh, David L. Gray uh, the year, last year, year before, maybe, where we talked, because he was in the Freemasons, and we discussed that, why the Catholic Church condemns secret societies, and maybe we'll uh, yep. post a link to yep. that conversation for folks yep. hanging out with us online. But, Kathy, God love you. Great, uh, great game. We're God so grateful. God love you guys. And, Thank uh, you so much. I love your program. We'll I, be looking I forward to receiving you. I stand in front of the abortion you. clinic. I'm sorry? Seven, I, I miss your first hour because I'm, I'm standing in front of the abortion clinic for an hour, and then when I get in my car, I listen to your second hour, and wow. I stay with wow. your half hour. Praise God. Kathy, you're my hero. Yeah. You're my Amen. hero. And today we... Today was 37. We were having a heat wave today. <gasps> 37. <laughs> <said> heat wave. <laughs> <laughs> well, college you is. I remember those days. But praise be to God. We're going to put you on hold, Kathy, to get your phone number Thanks. so we God make sure we have you. it. And God love you. Thank you again for being on our show okay. today. You too. God bless. All right, how fun is that? Uh, Kathy was super fun today. <laughs> so knowledgeable about the faith. Uh, praise be to God. That was fun. All right, so uh, the Holy Mass will begin here in just a few minutes, uh, broadcasting across the GRN. But if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and you can find us on all three of those platforms very easily, just search for at GRN online. You can also just go to our website and get the links. They're posted there, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And I wanted to remind you, last chance, uh, I'm hosting a live Zoom chat tonight for the Catholic Literary Arts. There was a poetry contest, and I was the judge, and we're going to have a reading tonight with the, uh, the the writers. If you want to be in on that, it's free. You can hang out with us. You just go to Catholic Literary Arts' website, catholicliteraryarts.org, and go to the contest. Look for the poetry. You'll find the information to the Zoom chat, and you can be a part of that tonight. It's super fun. Otherwise, we'll see you in the after show here in a few moments on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Comment, where are you from? How are you listening? And maybe uh, what parish you go to and all of that. We'd love to hang out with you and read your comments coming up in the after show. Tomorrow, we have a brand new show, brand new opportunity and so much more Catholic Drive Time headed your way this week. God love you, God bless you, and we'll see you then. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we uh, get a little more casual about the conversations we've had on the program, and we let our hair down, and some of us have more hair than others. And uh, praise God. 
today was an interesting show. We were supposed to have Mr. Kanu on, the leader of the Bafran movement. Uh, this was our second attempt to talk to him. And unfortunately, the first attempt was a technical failure on our part. And uh, this time, he just wasn't feeling well this morning, so he wasn't able to join us. But we were able to uh, have his uh, personal uh, secretary and attorney come on our program, as well as Mrs. Uh, Madu or Dr. Augustina Madu Odirica, who I met last year. And she, for the first time, she sat uh, down with me. I did an interview with her last year when I was up in the Dallas area. And uh, she explained things to me about the Nigerian conflict that I just did not know. And uh, I've always been frustrated by the Nigerian stories because you just don't understand really what's at play here, what's going on, what are the circumstances, what's behind it all. And um, Tina really helped me with that. So we were looking forward to having a conversation with Mr. Kanu to really better understand the Biafra movement and what they hope to accomplish. And uh, what I find fascinating is today, Miss Patty reminded us uh, earlier, She, did, Patty can't hang out with us beyond the first hour, but she reminded us that today marks the first day of the siege of San Antonio de Bejar in 1835. And I've been on a major kick lately on uh, on the Texas story in Alamo and and the Texas Revolution and so I've been consuming a lot of content on my off time. Um, my wife and I have been watching some movies, and, and I'm listening to an audio book on the lives of uh, uh, David Crockett and William Travis and, and Jim Bowie. Um, not very saintly characters. Uh, David Crockett, I think, is my favorite of all three. And uh, definitely uh, not a bad guy. Certainly not a bad guy. And there's many things I, I appreciate about David Crockett. And the reason why I'm even bringing this up is because uh, today is the Mark's first day of the siege against against uh, the Mission Alamo there. And it was fascinating is Sam Houston sent uh, Jim Bowie to the Alamo to bring back the cannon, not to hang out and not to defend the place. And uh, that didn't work out, as we all know the story. At any rate, um, interesting story. So let's start reading some comments here. Who wants to go first? Um, the Jesus had a lot of good comments to say. One of the good things he said, uh, and I won't read the bad things he said, not that he said anything bad. Uh, he, she said that she has zeal referring to our listener today. And absolutely. Kathy was a great guest. Enjoyed her, uh, talking to her very much. So, uh, secretly, I hope that she wins. Don't tell anybody, but I really hope that she wins because that, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Turning 72 here, folks. and becoming the Catholic, game is rigged, becoming Catholic at 72. How awesome is that? Praise be to Jesus Christ. Um, Samuel on Facebook on our GRN uh, page says, talked about, he was uh, with the Biafra movement. He's a Biafran. And he said, we Biafran would like to go peacefully, but we know that freedom is never given freely. And if war is a last result, then we don't have any option but to accept the war. And we are ready for the long haul. The 1967 war was fought by the British, but it will be different this time. 
Um, so yeah, things are uh, looking pretty crazy. He also said that that they cannot trust a Nigerian journalist because they do not have objective reporting, and it sounds a lot like American journalist, uh, to be honest. Uh, Valerie on Facebook says that she loved her accent, referring to our listener Kathy, our caller mm-hmm. today, Kathy's accent. It sounded a lot like Emily, to be honest. What? Uh, <laughs> no, completely different. Completely to me, different. The, to me, there is no difference. What? Uh, Mr. Thomas, and I'll let you answer this, Joe. He had a question for for us. He said, "I heard someone say that the Bible says we should not let Jehovah Witnesses and more." into our homes those two groups deny jesus is it true that we should not let jehovah witnesses and mormons into our homes or help them in any form i would just say no i i I would say you shouldn't be persuaded by them uh that's for sure you should have an opportunity there to evangelize them uh for the sake of their own salvation yes yay and amen um should you let them in your home yes charity Right, we're called to chari- charitable uh, works. Uh, in fact, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Himself says in Matthew chapter five, uh, "What credit is it to you if you only forgive those that that love you? Right, the, the people that you love. But uh, but tolerant, tolerating other people is a part of the Christian existence. And now." That doesn't mean we don't we ignore, or that doesn't mean that we don't try to uh, plant seeds of conversion in their hearts. We're called to do that, but uh, even today's gospel, Matthew chapter six, forgiving uh, forgiving others is a part of our Christian duty. So uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, now there is a reference to Saint Paul off the top of my head of talking about being unequally yoked, but that was in reference to marriage. As uh, as Christians, we should marry other Christians. Um, but our goal, our goal out of charity, out of love and zeal for their souls is for their conversion. That is the primary mission of the church. It is not uh, primarily to do corporal works of mercy. It, that is a part of it. It's both and, but primarily it is for the conversion of sinners, for the conversion of peoples, to bring them back to God. So that's our mission. That's what we have to do. So if they come knocking at your door um, and it, it uh, is convenient to do so at the time and you're able to, because uh, sometimes they come like at odd times and you're just not available or ready to welcome them in, but you should welcome them in, sit them down, be generous to them, be, be uh, charitable, you know, offer them something to drink. But with Jehovah's Witnesses in particular, y- you want to take the Colombo approach because Jehovah's Witnesses are trained very uh, strictly in the exchange to to guide and control that conversation. And so the Colombo approach, which is the one that as like the Socrates method, it sort of asks a lot of questions that lead to conclusions. Uh, that's probably the better method for the Jehovah's Witnesses. And they also won't take anything from you. So if you offer them a resource, they are not allowed to take that. They are not allowed to, to uh, consider it. You might grill them on the early church fathers, and uh, they will struggle with that because their exposure to the early church uh, fathers is very limited, and they aren't allowed to really look at resources beyond the watchtower. Uh, similarly, uh, the uh, Mormons, again, their their focus, their, their background, their training – is such that they don't really consider other resources behind uh, beyond what the Mormons allow them to. So the conversations can be difficult. You might not see the fruit of your labors, uh, but you must trust that uh, you are called to plant a seed and let the Holy Ghost awa- do all the watering. And I can see, uh, I think there needs to also be a distinction between hospitality being hospitable Mm -hmm. and whenever they're coming knocking on your door to evangelize uh if someone is in need obviously you help no matter what i mean you should be helping people uh nowhere in scripture does it say you shouldn't be hospitable to people in fact it says the exact opposite it says that we should love our enemies especially um and so jehovah witnesses and mormons if they're 
in need. Of course, help them. Of course. Um, but, you know, I do, I can see a point that might be made saying, well, I'm really weak in my faith. I might be convinced of their arguments. And so I don't want to invite them in when they're coming to evangelize. I can see that. That makes sense. If you yeah. don't think that you could handle uh, the arguments that they're going to bring up and uh, you might see it as a stumbling block to your own faith or to your children's faith, um, then absolutely, I would say you do not have to invite them in. Um, but I do think there needs to be a distinction there between when they're coming, knocking on the door to evangelize versus when they're, uh, if someone's coming and needs in need of help and they just so happen to be Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. So, yeah. 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 Amen. Uh, I, I did an interview on a podcast back in 2007 with a friend of mine who spent time uh, sort of undercover among a, a, a more among the Jehovah's Witness. Oh, that sounds like fun. And he he's a, he, <laughs> he was an analyst by trade, so he he really enjoyed the process of of sort of getting the insider information of how they what how they tick right, and the resources that they use. And he discovered a playbook, a cryptic playbook that they're give that the missionaries are given that has um, it's a basically an apologetics resource for Jehovah's Witnesses that give them responses to every question that could be possibly asked of them. And it's sort of cryptic and written in a real cryptic way. And he found a he got a copy of it, and and so he knew all the uh, he knew all the, the canned responses, and so he and he pulled this Colombo approach, and he was trying to help some folks come out. But it was, so he and I did a four part series on on uh, Jehovah's Witness, and we we dived into the history, sort of what they believed, and sort of the, how how do we respond to them? Um, and that it's been a long time, it's two thousand seven, so it's been a long time since we did that, but. Fascinating information for Adrian, sure. Adrian, didn't you go to their Bible study for a while? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, to be honest, I feel bad because I just got bored and stopped showing up. Uh, they were – a couple Mormons reached out to me on Facebook for some reason. I, I'm not entirely sure why. I guess they were doing – during COVID, uh, they moved their evangelization online. So they were reaching out to random people on Facebook and other social media sites to uh, to evangelize. And they invited me – or they wanted to talk to me and they wanted to do Zoom meetings with me. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to do a Zoom meeting. But, you know, I'll come meet up with you if you want. And so we are going to meet up. But then they were like, oh, because of COVID, we can only meet at our church or at your house. I was like, I don't want to invite them into my house. So I went over to their church and I uh, went over and talked to them. And we had a long discussion – there was supposed to be a 30 minute meeting. We were there for like almost three hours. Mm. And, um, basically we went through, and just like you said, Joe, we went through the church fathers. We talked about, uh, the, the, um, the great apostasy because they believe that there is an, uh, the, an apostasy that happened in the early church and yeah. was not uh, fixed until uh, Joseph Smith in, uh, in America. And so we talked about that, and it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, to be honest. But then they wanted me to read the Book of Mormon before we actually had another discussion. I was like, I don't really have time to read the entire Book of Mormon. I have other things I would rather read, and I'm actually not going to be convinced of anything. So I, I'd kind of, we stopped talking. So that's you know, what happened. Here's a piece of advice that's super easy. If someone, if you're approached either at your front door or at the office or someplace, and you're asked a question by literally anybody, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Baptist, your atheist friend, whatever, and you're asked a question that seems like a stumper, okay, I, I guarantee you that when you dive into that question at, for the proper resources, you're going to find that there's definitely an answer and a great answer, like a solid answer. So if you find yourself in this circumstance and you're like, I don't really know my Bible by the, you know, as well as I should. I don't know my faith. I don't know. How do I answer these people? You're not alone. There's a lot of people who are just like that. 
Um, one, study more, read more. Uh, spend some more time in sacred scripture. But number two, if you're asked stumper questions, just say, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go find out and I'll let you know. Um, and then do your research. You know, a really easy resource is just Catholic.com. Go to their forums, search for the question. I guarantee that same question has been answered a bunch of times. No matter what question you're thinking, I guarantee that that question has been answered a bunch of times. And there's tons of resources that'll help you better understand it. Go to YouTube. You can type in these search fields and you'll find answers. But the sources matter, in my opinion. And, um, and I want to give you some confidence to say, don't feel pressured. Like the whole Catholic faith is writing on your example and witness. And if you don't answer correctly, it's all bunk. That is simply not the case. That is just not the case. You, you can get stumper questions. Just say, that's okay. I don't really know, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to go look it up and I'll come back. Go look it up. Choose Catholic.com or some other uh, similar resource to find uh, quick answers to these stumpers. And then when you have the answer, go back and tell them. Or tell them to come listen to our show, and then in the after show, they can comment questions and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, Angelo on YouTube says, uh, the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic is absolutely beautiful. So uh, I want to play a couple seconds of the uh, Our Father in Aramaic. Uh, It's pretty popular, went around a couple, uh, maybe it was a couple years ago. It feels like it was not that long ago. Oh, I rewatch that regularly. Yeah. I know the one you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. I had a great opportunity last year to interview um, one of the uh, Chaldean bishops, and they their liturgy is celebrated in Aramaic, and uh, he also uh, prayed the Our Father in Aramaic with us, and it was just really beautiful to listen to. Now, he was from Iraq, you know, and he we were discussing uh, the persecution of Christians in Iraq and the very real situation that uh, was going on there at the time, and probably still is. In fact... We talked to Bree Dale last week, and she was. And there's a, articles now out everywhere that the Yazidis are are petitioning Pope Francis because he's making the trip there uh, for relief or help for bringing awareness to their situation that they're pers- they're being persecuted in their country, and um, and hopefully they'll receive some relief. Hopefully they'll receive an audience at the very least uh, with His Holiness Pope Francis when he makes the trip to Iraq, which is coming up. All right, what else? Uh, Valerie uh, says you should tell them when they come to your door, you'll take their paperwork if they'll, if they'll take your paperwork, and then they'll say no, and then you, they won't want to come in. You know, uh, that's the other thing, too, is when people come to your door, can you be instantly convicted of being a Christian? When, they, when you open the door, is it obvious, standing at that door, that this is the house of a Christian? Um, or is your is your home un, you know in disguise? You know, uh, we have taken steps in the last you know several years to fortify that to make sure that when people come to our house, that they understand that this is the home of a Christian. Yesterday, we had to call a plumber because of the the storm situation aftermath in in Texas, and the and the the plumbers are like book solid. 
Like, we called one, and they're like, we'll see you in April. We're like, that's insane. So there was a handyman who was just going straight out 12 hours a day, taking jobs. And uh, this gentleman, we called him. He came over. He came to the door, and he had a, fa- he had a mask on and Our Lady Guadalupe on it. You know, and I, I loved that. I'm like, pray, I don't even know who this guy is or what his life is like. But automatically, he had he 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 wanted to put Our Lady Guadalupe first and foremost. Every person he met that day saw Our Lady Guadalupe, and I mean, how incredible! What a, what a, what an awesome thing to do. So if they come to your door and they knock on your door, as Valerie says, you can say, "Hey, I'll take yours if you'll take mine." They'll they'll of course say they can't do that, and then if, that might end the deal. But when you open the door, would it be obvious to them? That you're a Christian, or or that you take your faith seriously, or are you going to be ripe for the picking? That'll be going through their mind as well. Uh, what else? Uh, has anyone pointed out the fact that for the second question, Louis Pasteur, Jesus guessed Saint Bacterius. <laughs> Saint Bacterius. <laughs> I should have gone with that if I had seen. His comment, I totally would have said, St. Bacterius. That is too funny. I'm not sure what he meant by the next Jerry Jerry. Jerry. Oh, check this out. Susan over on uh, the Catholic Drive Time side of Facebook just said, I opened the door but was wearing a sweatshirt that my friend made with a picture of the nativity. They just started. They just stared at me and said "Good day" and left. <gasps> so, wow! We had, <laughs> Thank uh, you, Susan. That was so cool. We had uh, everybody always thinks that I know Spanish. Um, I don't know why they think that. I mean, I don't look like I speak Spanish. Uh, you absolutely oh, uh, okay. Do. Yeah, I look like I speak no Spanish. No bueno. <laughs> but uh, we had these uh, Mormons, I think, or I'm not sure what they were. To be honest. Uh, they weren't Mormons, actually. I know that because they weren't wearing the, the Mormon suits. But they were these. Um, evangelicals came knocking on our door and started speaking to me in Spanish and I was like I, I don't speak Spanish and they just kept on going in Spanish and I guess they thought that I was like lying to them and just trying to get them to go away and they were just like they kept on responding to me in Spanish and I kept trying to explain to them that I that I didn't know Spanish and so uh, it took about a good like two minutes before they finally were like okay we're, bye-bye and they left <laughs> every time my dad comes to texas he tries to talk to everybody in spanish because people look hispanic here but they're actually not and people are like no <laughs> no we're just, we're just texans we're just texans yeah well i mean i grew up in san antonio my best friend his dad didn't speak a lick of english but we had the greatest conversations uh, we just sit there, and, and I never like it. Never dawned on me like uh, that we couldn't communicate in one way, shape, or form or another. I was always used to most uh, most Hispanics, even the even immigrants that came to to live in San Antonio. They knew some English. They could you know communicate some, and uh, I kind of took that for granted that uh, most Hispanics were that way until I ran into some uh, Mexicans that owned a restaurant in Rome. And I tried to order, and they hadn't the slightest clue as to what I was saying. And I'm like, well, what kind of Mexicans are you? And, and they just shook their head at me. They're like, oh, my heavens, you Americans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they brought the cook out from Africa, and he took my order. And made oh, it, wow. He made the best steak I've ever had. So. I, went to, I went to a Mexican <laughs> restaurant in Thailand one time. Oh, really? Which was really cool. See, how novel. It's like, you, how, I mean, Tex-Mex is my favorite food of, on planet Earth. So if you find yourself in an odd part of the world, how could you not Stop at the Mexican restaurant. I stopped at a Mexican restaurant in Poland, 
and it had to be the Poland. worst Mexican food I've really? ever had in my life. That's sad. It was so bad. <laughs> I was like, the best. I was like, you know, I wasn't, I was expecting it to not be good, but I was like, this is like, I was like, ugh. <laughs> like the tortillas were, it tasted strange. What were they made of? The, I don't know what they were made of. They did not taste like tortillas, though. I, I went to a wedding with two Filipino priests this weekend, and they served Mexican food at the wedding, okay? The priests were holding up the tortillas to the light to see, see they said, it? if you can see through it, they're not good or something like that. I was Yikes. like, what? I'm Mexican. I've never heard I've any, never anything I've never heard anybody like say that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. How do we get to this topic? I, it always ends up in food every time, <laughs> every time. You know, because you know, we get up at uh, the uh, before the sun comes up, right. and by the time the show's over, it feels like it's it should be lunchtime. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lori earlier was talking about Sean Connery and Alcatraz. That's right. That was okay, a, so that was called The Rock. Um, the oh, movie was called The yeah, Rock. Yeah, that's right. What about Escape, Escape from, Alcatraz? from Alcatraz? Yeah, that was that was Clint Eastwood. So there's yeah, different. Mo- okay. Yeah, I've seen yeah, I've seen both, um, but yeah, such good movies. I I love escape movies. <laughs> uh, praise be to God in all things. Let's see what else. Um, Angelo is hanging out with us. Good morning to you, Angelo. I see Monica over there on YouTube side. Praise be to God. Chris <clears> said, <throat> uh, "Good morning, CDT." Good morning. Good morning. Now, where is Chris hanging out? On the other YouTube channel. The other <laughs> YouTube page. This is getting like, uh, we're, there's so many places to Y'all be don't looking. understand. I have one, two, three, four, five, six tabs open on my computer right now, monitoring everything. But you know where we can rest assured that we will never receive comments? On Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also have open, but of course, nothing's happening. Nothing, is, nothing ever happens on Twitter. Uh, praise be to God. We'll see. Uh, well, it's interesting. We have uh, we have to get, finish rounding out the rest of the show for the week, so we'll be working on that today. That's our big priority when we get off the air is uh, booking out the rest of the show. So we're going to work on tr- maybe getting Phil Donahue on. That would be a good one. <clears throat> I've invited uh, Phil Lawler on. We're trying to get him back. Um, Obianju Ichioko. We're trying to get her on the show and some others. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, – I've even uh, reached out to George Newmeyer. He's got an article on the American Spectator called Biden's Faith-Based Office. Doesn't appear to be interested in faith. <laughs> so it'd be interesting if, conversation. If y'all have, have a uh, guest uh, suggestion or someone that y'all would like to see us interview, uh, leave it down in the description. Give us uh, some ideas. That would be great. Um, and if you have contact information, just send it my way. And good morning to Luz del Carmen Lozano, who commented on Facebook. Amen. Good morning to you. Angelo said, never had Jehovah Witnesses come to our door, maybe because we have a four-foot image of the Divine Mercy Amen. On, wow. on display. Where do you get, where do you get those? That's awesome. I want one. My wife used to invite them uh, in all the time. Oh, yeah? Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, I'd be so annoyed. I'm like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's our duty. And she would, uh, she'd always invite them in. Uh, but they haven't come for a while. I think they, uh, they kind of <laughs> gave up, I guess. Well, they've—they're also not not allowed to uh, go door to door anymore because uh. of uh, COVID. Ah, I think Joe wasn't listening when I was explaining the situation. Earlier. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've seen them at neighbors' houses though, so maybe they're just yours are in total lockdown. They're they're the Fauci yours. branch, I guess. I don't know the Fauci the branch. Fauci <laughs> branch. <laughs> I have no idea. Definitely I made, not. I you could say up. a lot of things about about up. Mormons, but they are absolutely not uh, hook, line, and sinker for the uh, COVID stuff. <laughs> yeah, I watched. I saw a meme on. Uh, I guess it was Facebook. It was of the uh, 
Amish people and a reporter is asking them, how come COVID has not affected your, you know, the Amish people? And the guy responded, because we don't watch the news. <laughs> we're, not, we're not paying attention to the media. That's why. Uh, at any rate, <clears throat> what else? As we begin to wrap up here for the day. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Mr. Thomas says, can you recommend a place to buy Catholic merchandise? I want to get my mom a new rosary book. I recommend <clears throat> Secret of the Rosary by St. Louis de Mumford if you have not already read it or your mother has not already read it. Um, you said a rosary book in Spanish. Uh, St. Louis de Mumford's Secret of the Rosary is also in Spanish. Um, so you could also get it that get that book. Our sponsor this week, Tan Books. I was just scrolling through their uh, – every, every month they have like a $5 book section. And so they've got um, uh, rosary guides in Spanish there. And most of the uh, great works, like St. Louis de Mumford, uh, are in Spanish because uh, – actually, St. Louis of Granada, who is one of the most amazing writers of all time. I don't know if he wrote anything specifically about the rosary, but he actually wrote in Spanish, and we only have a small selection of his writings in English. Uh, so if you never read Louis of Granada, I highly recommend a Dominican <laughs> Um, and he was the confessor to the queen. Um, he was recommended by T Teresa of Avila as uh, one of the greatest spiritual masters. So he, his work in Spanish, um, my friend uh, Heidel, who is in the fraternity uh, seminary, he read uh, the his work, uh, Sitter's Guide, in Spanish. It's in old Spanish, so it's a little bit more difficult to read, according to him. Uh, but he said it's totally doable. He read it, and he loves it. He said it was uh, life-changing. So Check your local Catholic bookstore. They yeah. usually have a Spanish section. There is an article going around. Uh, Marco Tosati is uh, starting to uh, stir up. I, I saw Edward Penton retweeted it this morning. It says, Rome without a pope. Jorge Mario Bergoglio is there, but not Peter. Um, so you, this might be an interesting read for a lot of folks. Uh, part of the frustration that many Catholics have with uh, His Holiness Pope Francis, uh, this sort of sums it. It's not a uh, set of a contest uh, uh, article. It's not that. It's more of like an absentee father type of article. Um, you might find that very interesting. You can find it linked up, but we'll post a link to it, I guess. MarcoTosati.com is his website. But uh, I want to say 1 Peter 5 also has a copy of it out there. I'm not sure. But uh, there are, there's many places to go to get it. But it's Marco Tosati in his, uh, it's his article. Very fascinating. <clears throat> Rome without a pope is kind of the idea. Uh, I think it's going to do it for today. Praise be to God in all things. It's good to hang out with you folks. We did uh, send out an email yesterday. If you're not on our email list, uh, join our email list. We'd love to have you on the email list. But we, uh, we sent out an email yesterday. I sent a video link to uh, Salvation History, sort of a, a, a survey going through Salvation History, looking at the major covenants and, and the covenant mediators, uh, bringing us to the New Testament. And we looked at uh, very... Uh, specific typologies like St. Peter and the Keys, the Pope, and the Old Testament. We looked at all of that. Uh, you can get that free just by joining our email list. Plus, you get the Father Bill Casey talk. Is that still available to you? But uh, we're going to be this week producing a uh, commentary review on the Sunday Gospels for Lent. That'll be coming out. And I haven't yet committed to it, but I'm thinking about doing it anyway, is going through Divine Providence uh, uh Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence by St. Columbert, because it's, it's very good for all of us. It's a gut check for every single one of us. Monica says, I now receive handwritten letters mailed to my home with watchtower pamphlets, mm. since they are not knocking on doors due to COVID. Well, 
Um, you know, one thing I will say about that, when my wife used to welcome them to the door and try to evangelize them, she had to take a lot of their material. I have, uh, I've since, uh, I don't allow her to keep that material in the house for the sake of my children. I wouldn't want my children mistakenly reading something that would confuse them, and I didn't know that they were doing it. You know, then in other words, it'd be great to have a conversation to sort of give the Catholic position on something, but if they read it and didn't know and it's, it planted a seed of doubt in their heart, that would be bad. So I don't allow her to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to keep those now. All right. I think that's it. I think we're going to say goodbye. God love you. God bless you all. Thank you for being a part of our show today. If you want to be a part of our email list and you haven't done so, I think uh, Adrian is posting a link into the into the, each of the forums. But you can also just pull out your cell phone and you can text the letters GRN to the number 42828. Uh, GRN to the number 42828. And uh, you'll be able to sign up via your cell uh, phone right now, actually. And you'll get a link in your email inbox with the Father Bill Casey talk. What was the number again? I'm going to type it over here as 42828. well. 42828. So you, yeah, you type the letters GRN, you text the letters GRN to the number 42828. Praise right. be to God. There we go. Now I want Mexican food. Now I know. Let's all go walk over and uh, oh. get Mexican food after the show. I'm actually down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, may, we should have, maybe Fridays we'll have a food day on, and we'll just eat on the air the whole time. Ew! <laughs> Ew. Stop! Stop! Okay, we're done. Okay. That's disgusting. No, we can't. Uh, do, we can't the, do. Fee- the, we'll have to do fish tacos. Our, our since poor, it's our that. poor radio audience would hate us. Uh, we lose every single one of our audience, and our listening and our watching audience would probably also hate us. So. Uh, real quick, I know we're saying goodbye here, but Valerie says about 10 years ago, I went to, I, I took a couple of true Mexicans, not Mexican Americans with me to San Antonio, and they were very frustrated that none of the waitresses and waiters spoke Spanish in San Antonio, yep. but they were all Mexican American, uh, uh, but didn't know their own language. Yeah, amen, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, praise be to God. Uh, phone number for the game. We just posted it, Valerie, and mark it down. You can be the first caller tomorrow. You can be the contestant. And uh, since you guys are the super fans, you know the phone number. It's 877-757-9424. Write it down, and tomorrow be ready for it. It was so fun talking to Kathy from Danvers, Mass. this morning. She was she was a hoot, as they say. All right, that's going to do it. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow on Catholic Drive Time. Tell a friend and share the links. God bless you. for joining us.